Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7. So for a couple of months now, I guess, we've been in a, a series looking at um, patterns of the world in regard to different things. And Paul tells us not to conform to the patterns of the world, but to be transformed by a renewed mind. And so in summary, uh, we, we live in a world that has just a, really a certain attitude about things. And Paul is saying don't conform to the attitudes of those who are separate from God because of sin. Um, let God renew your mind now that you are a saint and no longer a sinner. Now that you are in Christ and no longer in Adam. Now that you are abiding and you are connected and the life of God is flowing into you. Let God teach you how to think inside of His kingdom. And that renewed mind will transform your life. And so we've been looking at what are some of those patterns of the world that we're told to not conform to, and what does a renewed mind perspective look like, and asking God to uproot the lies from the patterns of the world and to um, just really like, implant in us His truth for what it looks like. And so um, I'm going to go through seven patterns of the world in regard to sex. It could have been 700. I mean, it's just, it's just, just so much. And so I feel like God kind of narrowed 700 to 7, so hopefully that'll be a good reduction. Um, and there's not going to be, I'm going to refer back to Genesis 2 a good bit, and we're going to look in 1 Corinthians 7. And so I'm also going to make reference to uh, the book of uh, Song of Solomon. And uh, if, you, uh, if you would like more uh, in-depth study in regard to Song of Solomon, I can give you some resources afterwards or whatever, but you just need to know that that, that book is not what you think. Let's put it that way. It is, it is a romantic book about romantic sexual love between a husband and a wife. And it is, uh, it's right there in the Bible, and it, but it's all poetry, so a lot of times we're like, I don't even know what this means. And you start to study what it means, you're like, oh, wow, I'm glad that it's like poetry and not blatant because... That would be that could be awkward, and so um, I'll make some of those references. Here we go. Let me give you the first the first pattern. The world tells us that sex is something that you do, you know, like it's like sex is isn't it's it's the action, you know, like it's a verb, like it's sex is something that you do. And the Bible tells us that sex is not something that you do, that sex is a way that you communicate. Okay, so pattern of the world, sex is something you do. The renewed mind inside the kingdom of God perspective is that sex is a way that you communicate. I know that sounds strange. But in the context of a marriage covenant, sex is meant to convey certain things to your spouse. And it goes back to Genesis 2 about, um, you know, it says you leave your father and mother, you are joined together, the two become one. There's communication that's happening there. And so it's a way that you communicate to your spouse. Uh, Tim Keller uh, says that, that one of the things about, about sex that is, it's so, um, well, it's something that you lose sight of is that you're essentially saying, and this you're essentially saying, I'm going to demonstrate with my body what I have promised you that I would do that's in my heart. It's a, demonstra- it's a physical demonstration of, of, of the commitments that you have made to one another, of that union that is there. Um, so it's a, it's a way to communicate with your spouse. There's trust 
that is required. There is vulnerability that happens. I mean, even the, even the nakedness that is there is meant to convey something. It's that I trust you. There's an openness that, that's there with one another. And so it's not, the world says just something that you do. And that's why I say, do it. You know, like how, how crude and like just ridiculous is that? It's like, uh, you know, whatever. Like, why would you say it? Because that's how the world sees it. And so for us as Christians, we have to understand it's not just something you do. It's not something that's like just this mechanical deal that the world tends to think it is. No, it's, it's, about, it's about conveying something to your spouse. Something that, that, that you could say with words, but, but, but when, you, when you put that action with it, then it's, it's, God has designed that to like convey some, some things that are, are there, and they're much, just much more important. Um, all those things are conveyed. And so if you look at Genesis 2, if you look at the Song of Solomon, you will see that there's a lot of communication going on um, there. Okay, So that's the first one. Um, the second one, the world says when it comes to sex, you need to, you need to be a consumer. That uh, it's, it's, a, it's a consumer good. That's what Keller calls it. It's, a, it's something that's, that's consumed. And so um, what do we do as consumers? Well, we take, we demand, we expect. Um, as a consumer, you negotiate sometimes. You ever, you ever gone to a garage sale? I guess what you do. You negotiate back and forth on a price because you're the consumer and they're, you know, whatever. Uh, you even threaten. Uh, you ever you go to buy a car somewhere and you're like, if you don't give me this price, I'm walking, you know. Um, that's the consumer attitude. That's the world that we live in. That's like we are consumers all the time. And so what the world has done is, it sounds strange to think, but it's, it's taken like buying a car and having sex with somebody and put them in the same, same category of, of thought and action and attitude, and all that stuff comes down to the fact, uh, it really comes down to saying, like, it's really, it's just, it's about me and it's about what I want. And if, if you're not willing to give me what I want in the way that I want it, then, then I'm out, you know, like that. I'll go find another, another place to buy the car. I'll find another place to find sex. And that's when you, when we watch movies and, and TV and all that stuff, that's, it, that's the attitude that's there. And I know that the entertainment industry is not necessarily like not necessarily trying to shape this mindset in people. They're just trying to make money. But we're the dummies who go and pay them all the money to watch their movies, and we come out and we're just getting duped over and over and over again into thinking that this is really what sex is about. And so the pattern of the world, the world says be a consumer. And inside the kingdom, the renewed mind perspective, the Bible says be a servant. Don't be a consumer, be a servant. That if you go to Philippians 2, and you know, it describes uh, the humility of Christ, and it talks about, uh, right before it gets into the Christ hymn, it talks about considering the needs of others, considering what's best for them, not just what's best for yourself. Sometimes we, we feel weird that like applying that stuff to sex. But if you leap from Genesis 3 into Genesis 2, you realize, like, no, that's actually, like, that's pretty much right. The world says be a consumer. The Bible says be a servant. And in the world, it's all about you. And in the Bible, it's all about your spouse. And again, you read Song of Solomon, 
and they are, they're serving one another. They're putting each other's needs ahead of their own. Tim Keller, he, he describes it as this. Uh, he says, you know, with a, with a, in a consumer situation, you're, you're basically you're, you're saying, you adjust to me, okay? Like, you, you do whatever it takes to keep me as the customer or else I'm out. But in a servant situation... You're saying, I'll, I'll adjust to your needs. Like, I'll, I'll, I will constantly, I'll make those adjustments. Like, it's, this is about you. And so, uh, that's, what, that's what sex needs to be. And so, if, you're, if your um, outlook on sex and everything that you're thinking about it, if it comes from the world, then you're going to think it's something to be consumed. And then, what happens is, you, you get two people that get married, they enter into this covenant. If they both think that they're consumers... Then sex becomes a really, really like a really, really difficult part of being married for them, because they both have weird expectations and they both don't know how to deal with stuff and this and this and this, and it's just really quite explosive. As opposed to letting God teach you that that even even in the bedroom, you're supposed to be a servant. That will be transformational. So don't conform to the pattern of the world. Be transformed by the renewal of the mind. And let God teach you that that's how He made it. That's how He made it. That's the second one. The third one. Alright, it's about to get weird. (laughs) You're like, about to be. I'm going to combine, combine two of them. Uh, pattern of the world, and, this, and again, like a, this is like a generalization of men and women. Okay, so I know it's, it's not everybody, but this is a lot of people. Pattern of the world is that guys love it and want it all the time. And that women hate it, but they figured out how to use it as a weapon. Now you... You tell me that's not what you see in TVs and movies and books and all that kind of stuff. That is what is out there. That's the, that's the pattern of the world, is that if you're a guy, you love it and you, the, and you have the right to expect it all the time. So these dudes go and get married and they think, like, oh, it's going to be like, honey, I'm home. And like every single day, this is what happens. <laughs> and they are rudely awakened to the fact that that is not what happens in the real world. And then you have women... Especially on TV, where I thought it's like the big joke is that like it's like a task, you know, and it's like whatever. And uh, but they figured out that oh, I can just like I can use it as a weapon in the sense that I can I can hurt him by like by withholding, you know, or I can use it as a reward, or I can like whatever. And it's just such a messed up deal. And especially when those two people get married, he's thinking it's going to be every single day, multiple times a day, every day for the rest of his life. And she's thinking, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. It's a bad deal. So what is the what is the what should a renewed mind look like for men and for women? Like what's like how do you overcome that? Because over here, like I think guys adopt that mindset without really realizing it. And and women, it's it's kind of, of out there. And I think maybe women sometimes buy into it a little more than they like to admit as well. So regardless of how much you buy into this pattern, what, what should it look like? What's the right thing to look like? Look in 1 Corinthians 7. 
This is what Paul has to say. He's now concerning the matters about which you wrote. And there's a quote. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Okay, so he's responding to questions that he has had come his way. And one of the things that some Christians had adopted was this idea that sex was bad. And so nobody should have sex at all. Because they saw in their world that sex had become something that the enemy just was completely involved in. And it was, it was destroying society. And there's all this weird stuff. And when you, when you read about Corinth, like they, they lived in a messed up city. And so some of the Christians, they had overcorrected to the point of saying, no sex for anybody. Okay? That's bad overcorrection, right? So they asked Paul, what do you say? So that's what, that's what he is addressing right here. Um, so verse 2, he says, But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. All right, now, he's not saying that uh, every person will get married, all right? Because you, when you go on the rest of the chapter, he was not married. He's actually advocating for singleness later on in the chapter and describing it as a gift, you know? And some of us are like, I don't want that gift. Uh, um, I'm single, so I'm one of those that's like, please don't let that be the gift that you give me, you know? I get that. Uh, I understand that struggle, okay? So, um, anyway... I think because I am single, I can make fun of myself in that regard. So, uh, so I, I get that. Uh, but he's saying that it is a gift, and I believe that some people do have that gift, and that God really does make you cool with having that gift. Like, I completely think that's the case. Um, and if that's what he has for me, then I'll be totally cool with it one day. I'm just not there right now. That's fine. Um, so he's not saying everybody's going to get married. But what he is saying is that if, if you're going to get married, you need to marry one person. Like polygamy does, has no place in the kingdom of God. One, one wife, one husband, that's how it needs to be. Um, verse 3, The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Does okay. So so right there, um, it's it's strangely worded, you know, and, and I, I get that. So bring bring into into like the argument what I was talking about about being a servant. What he's essentially saying is that is that when the two have become one, there's a mutual care that goes on for one another. Ephesians five it says the same thing. And so you look out for one another, and the two have become one. And so it's a, it's a way of, of breaking you from that consumer mindset of thinking it's all about you. He's saying, look, you, you don't have authority over, over your own body. Your spouse has authority over your body, and you have authority over your spouse's. So you don't deny each other those things. You don't use this as a weapon. It's not this manipulative tool. That's not what, that's not what sex is about. And you have to consider the fact that, that the two have become one. So don't be a selfish jerk about it. That's kind of what he's saying. Verse 5, Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, so verse 5, it, looks, it appears at first... 
to be on the side of the dude who is like, we should be having sex all the time. Right? The Bible says, do not deprive me. <laughs> I want to encourage you dudes to read the whole verse. Whenever you're going to quote a verse. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. What that is saying is that there are times when it's not time to have sex. That you can't just walk in and say, now, and expect that to happen. That there are times when that doesn't need to happen. An agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Okay? Now, it's, this is saying that there are going to be times when you, need, when you guys need to, within the marriage covenant, say, this is not the time. Now, what that means is, husbands, you, can't, you cannot expect it all the time like you see in the world. And wives, you can't use it as a weapon like you sometimes see in the world. It's this acknowledgement that, yeah, there, there are times when there are some other issues. And if you're thinking covenant renewal... You're saying, hey, we, need, we have some things we need to work through before we, we renew the covenant. We do that with the Lord's Supper, right? We take some time to prepare your mind and prepare your heart to confess sin to each other and all that kind of stuff, right? We, we do that before we take the Lord's Supper. Sometimes there, just, there needs to be some reconciliation or something that goes on before you renew your covenant. So the right way of thinking about sex, it's not about guys loving it and expecting it or women hating it or vice versa or using it as a weapon. It's not about any of that stuff when you're thinking inside the kingdom about it. Saying, yeah, there are just some times when like, we, really, we need to pray about some things and then we need to renew the covenant. Because it also says, don't, don't delay and come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of of self-control. It's also saying, hey, uh, it, it shouldn't necessarily be like, you know, three months of devoted to prayer. And so, so you, have to, you have to really understand that and embrace that. If you're, if you're thinking of sex as covenant renewal, it's a lot easier to do that. But if you're thinking like the world as a consumer, as something that you do, as something that you expect or demand or that you're obligated to do, then it's going to be a source of pain. But inside the kingdom, we see it differently. We see the role that it plays differently. All right, next one. It's about to get weirder. This is what, four? Uh, the world says that we, uh, we should ask the experts... We should ask the experts. So who are the experts? Okay, I've already talked about movies and TV. Okay, so that they would be considered experts, right? That, that we should consult them about what sex should, should be, you know, what it should, you know, how it all works, all that kind of stuff or whatever. Also, in the experts category, we, you could put pornography in there. And that's what the world says. It's like, oh, you need, you know, you need to add a little spice to things or just, you know, check out some porn. No big deal, Right? Get some new ideas. Consult the experts. 
And so when Christians do that, and you see something on TV, or you see something in a movie, or pornography in any format, and then you say, okay, so that's what I need to do? Okay, I'll try that. And so you conform to that pattern of the world by, by bringing that into your life, and essentially what happens is we... Um, we end up in this pattern of what I would call seduction. You know? Because that's what happens over here, really. Like, you look at movies and TV and pornography, and it's like, if you want, like, really good sex, and there has to be some sort of seductive element to it. And so here's where it gets weird, is that there are Christians who are saying, okay, um... If he wants a porn star, I'll be his porn star. You know? That's what he's wanting, then I'll give it to him. And people are taking sexy photos of themselves, giving them to their spouse, and all these other kind of just weirdo things that happen. And when I say weirdo, I mean weirdo. Because what happens in the pattern of the world in regard to sex and seduction, it's weird. And we've got to be careful about it. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say, seduce your spouse. So why would we let the porn stars and the movie stars and all those kinds of things set the standard for something that God has created? And so let me encourage you, if you have brought this stuff into your marriage, you need to get rid of it. Whatever it looks like, in whatever form, and whatever weirdness is there that you're feeling right now, don't let the world tell you what sex needs to look like. We don't ask the experts. We don't ask the worldly experts. So what do we, what do, we do? What's the renewed mind perspective? Well, it's pretty simple. We just, you just ask each other. You communicate with your spouse about things. I don't give too many examples, but how about just saying like, hey, do you like this? Just try that. Talk about it. And be okay with telling your spouse, no, I don't like that. Or yes, I like that very much, thank you. (laughs) Just talk to each other. There's the awkward laughter I was looking for. There it is. Just just talk to each other. <laughs> just talk to each other, okay? Because the pattern of the world says you need to seduce your spouse. The Bible says that you need to pursue your spouse. And those are very, very, very different things. Don't conform to seduction. Let your marriage be transformed by the renewal of your mind and figuring out how to pursue your spouse. Don't consult the experts. Just talk to, just talk to each other. It'll be fine. Okay. Next thing. Oh, man. This one, too. <laughs> Sexual sin is no big deal. Right? That's what it says over here. Sexual sin is no big deal. 
Everything that we see out there, it's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just pornography. Oh, you know, it's, no, it's just, you know, it's just a second glance. It's just this, you know, whatever. And, of course, the renewed mind perspective is, no, it's totally a big deal. It's, a, it's completely, completely a big deal. But why? Sexual sin over here is basically saying it's okay to change, to change the, the formula. Okay? So what's the formula? All right? You have a man, a woman, inside of a, of a covenant that they have made together in marriage. Okay? Man, woman, covenant. Uh, sexual sin basically means if you change any of those elements. Okay? So if you take away the covenant, there's sexual sin. Okay? If you, add, you put the covenant in, if you add another person, sexual sin. Whether it's a live person or pornography or something like that. If you involve another person, that's sexual sin. If you uh, replace the person that you're in covenant with with someone that you're not in covenant with, sexual sin. If you take the other person out and it's just you, sexual sin. All of it, sexual sin. And the world says, all those things is really not a big deal. I mean, we probably say infidelity, like, yeah, everybody kind of frowns upon that one. But kind of in a way that's like, well, everybody kind of, you know, this just kind of happens, and it's not really a big deal, but we have to say it's a big deal. But everything else, it's like, oh, it's just porn, it's just this, it's just this, it's just this. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6, says that when you have sex with someone, you are joined to them. There's a unity that's there. So what does that mean about sexual sin? If sex is communicating something between a husband and wife, it communicates something to your spouse, but also communicates something to yourself. Okay? So it's, it's reminding this, your, your spouse of the promises that you made and the covenant that you're a part of, but it's also reminding you. That's how God designed sex to function. And so if you change the equation... All you're doing is you're, you're confusing everything about yourself. And so, change that formula however you want in every single one of those situations. All you're doing is being confused. And so, something that God has designed your body, it's, it's communicating to someone and communicating to yourself. It's messing up all the communication. And all that does is it leads to lies and weird expectations and then you end up making all these adjustments and it's, it's just the most destructive thing. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 6 that, that like sexual sin, it's, it's unique because, because you're sinning against your own body as well. And so the world says it's just, it's all, they're all victimless crimes and the Bible says no, it's riddled with victims, including yourself. And so we have to understand that sexual sin is a big deal. It's not something we can just dismiss because it's common in the world. So yes, it's a big deal. But a part of it being a big deal is it's not a bigger deal than what God can redeem and fix. So like I said earlier, He can, he can repair all that stuff. And so if, if, you have, if you have had sex with multiple people, God can repair that union and that confusion that was going on. If you're a, a victim of certain... like. You know, sexual sin. God can repair that and fix that, and He does that in His goodness 
And they, uh, they're, they're like consequences that, that we just have to live with sometimes. But he fixes it. He repairs it. So I don't want you to feel weird about, about this. It's not bigger than him, but it's a big deal that we can't just look the other way about. Just because the world says that we should. Okay? There's that one. All right, last two. The world says that, that sex is, like, you define sex as, like, intercourse. Like, that's, like, it. What the Bible would say is that sex, is, it's all of it. It's all of it. So, yeah, it's intercourse, but it's also romance. It's also caregiving. It's tenderness. It's, it's talking. It's... It's all that it's that holistic intimacy that is just unique between a husband and a wife. It's all of it. So we can't go thinking that when if if we're thinking, okay, so sex is covenant renewal. If we have a worldly understanding of it that it's just intercourse, then what happens when intercourse is not possible? You know? Like what happens when intercourse is not happening? What happens when if like one of you has gone away on work for a while? Okay? What happens when you get older? What happens, what happens if, if there's if some sort of physical limitation that happens? What happen, there's all these things. If we are thinking like the world that it's just intercourse, then there would come a point where you're like, how are we supposed to renew our covenant? Because we physically can't right now. Well, it's because it's not just about intercourse. It's about so much, more, so much more than that. It's holistic. So don't limit it to just that. Okay? It's everything. Read Song of Solomon. Most of it has, is not intercourse. Okay? Most of it is all the other stuff. Okay, last one. The world says that um, you are trying to accomplish like the goal. Right? The big O. Okay? Uh, not Oprah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Right? That's what the world says. Like, that's, that is your goal. Okay? And it's this, like, exaltation of the orgasm. All right? There. I said it. <laughs> that's what happens in the world. Like, it's this, like, that is the goal of sex. And let me just tell you, in the kingdom of God, you have a whole different set of goals. It's just, it's just not about that. Now, your goal is covenant renewal with your spouse. Your goal is to communicate, it is to serve, it is to love, it is to convey all those things to your spouse and to be reminded of the covenant that you're a part of. You remind your spouse and you are also reminded. That's what it's about. It's not about that. that that's what the world says is the goal of sex. In the kingdom of God, it's, there's just a whole different goal. So, What is it like? So, what, where do we go from here, right? And, like I said, we could keep going. And there's a lot of things that, that the Lord kind of showed me in my last couple of weeks of studying for this and ways that we could have gone with it. But for some reason, those were, those were like the seven things. And those were the points that I talked about before that He wanted us to have. So, so what, do you, what do we do with this? Well, I think that one thing you do is I think you. Spend some time with the Lord being like, okay, in what ways am I, am I messed up in my thinking? And you let, him, you let Him show you. 
So maybe one of those patterns or something you're like, yeah, I kind of think like that more than I want to admit or maybe whatever. I think that's, I think that's what you do. And, I, and, and the reason I bring that up is because I think a lot of times we think it's, it'd be a weird thing to talk to God about sex. You know? You know, like, aren't we supposed to talk to him about loving our neighbors and how to do, you know, those kinds of abiding and those kind of things? Like, yeah, but this is like a part of it. This is a part of it. So uh, let's all stand together and I'd, I want to just lead us for a few minutes in prayer. And uh, if Meg and Jake, you guys can come up here. Um, Meg's going to pray in a second for uh, all of our women. Uh, Meg is the other staff member here. Jake is our MTX for our married ministry and stuff. So we're just going to spend a few minutes praying because I think that uh, whatever the next couple of steps are going to look like for each of us, it's all going to be different. But I can tell you this, even if you're here for the first time and you're like, man, did we pick a weird night to go? Uh, God wanted all of us in this room to hear some of these things. And so I'm trusting that you will let him filter out some of this stuff and, and help you figure out, okay, what, in what ways do I need to think differently? And so just, just standing where you are, we're not going to ask you, nobody's, we're not going to do like a raise your hand thing or a come forward thing or anything weird like that, okay? So just don't worry about that. Just bow your head, close your eyes, and just ask the Lord, what, just ask him, like, what's for me in this? Like, what... What of these things do I need to spend more time in prayer about? And so while, while it's fresh on your mind and before we get distracted with other things, just ask Him that, what your next steps are going to be. And just just kind of keep that in mind. okay? And i like all the men in the room to have a seat. And just leave all the ladies standing. And Meg's going to just voice a prayer over all the women that are here. And so, ladies, I'd ask that you just just be receptive to the things that are prayed over you. Lord Jesus, you have um, come to make all things new. And we know that we can see that happening around us in different ways. But, Lord, there are also areas that it's hard to see that sometimes. And so, Father, first, I just come before you just thanking you for being healer the restorer of brokenness, the one who restores hopes and dreams, the one who replaces our lies with truth. God, it was your plan that Jesus would come and make all things new. And so, Father, for the broken hearts in here tonight, whether it is from personal choices or from hurt that was inflicted upon them. Lord Jesus, I just ask you, bring healing. Father, I pray for those who haven't voiced that, who haven't talked with anyone. Jesus, give them courage to ask for help. And for those who have voiced it and who are trying to heal and desire it so much, God, would you just... Give them hope that it's coming. Lord God, for our marriages where um, wives have fallen into a pattern of the world, um, God, I just pray that tonight you would just uproot whatever is in their souls and whatever is in their minds um, that's keeping them from 
looking at this as evidence of your goodness and a gift. Father, I pray for humility. God, that again, if these things haven't been voiced, if they need help, need advice, need wisdom, God, I pray that you would just give courage in that area. And Lord Jesus, for um, the marriages that are thriving in this area, we just thank you for that, and I pray that there would just be humility in that as well, and that it would be focused on you and covenant renewal. Um, Lord, knowing that um, all of our lives are to point toward you, I pray that that would be the case. Father, for those um, who are waiting and hoping for you to change this part of their lives and to um, bring someone into their lives, I just pray that you would allow us to look at you as knowing all of our needs. Your word says that you open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. And Lord, that there is nothing that we lack. Father, would you please just show us what it looks like to be satisfied in you as we wait for you to reveal next steps in truth about our lives. And Father, I do just pray, um, Lord, for those dating and those engaged, I pray that tonight would just be a turning point. I pray for those who have been terrified of sex and terrified of being that intimate with someone, would you just restore your original idea for this in their hearts and in their minds? And I pray for those who have already made decisions um, or didn't even have the choice about it. God, I just pray that this would be something they would look back on in weeks and months and years and just say, look what the Lord has done. Father, we thank you. We know that you have a plan for tonight far beyond what we can understand and imagine. Um, God, would you please just not let us walk away from here and leave what we learned here. God, you love us. You desire to redeem and restore and make things new. And so, God, as women, we just present ourselves before you, our Father, our Savior, our Sustainer the one who upholds us when we are bowed down, the one who keeps us from falling. Jesus, you are the restorer of our souls and the renewer of our minds, and we just thank you for that. And we ask this believing in faith that you will do it. Amen. Amen. Ladies, you can have a seat. I'm have all the men stand. As uh, Jake prays over us. Lord God, we come again tonight, and um, we just ask uh, for forgiveness and how we've uh, twisted this gift that you've given, Father God. Lord, we pray for these men. I pray for these men in this room. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, that we would see it in uh, with a transformed mind with transformed eyes, Father God, that we would turn away from from how it's been twisted, Lord, from how sin has um, taken it and made it something wrong and made it, has made it become sin for so many of us. 
Lord God, may you just watch over us. Lord, may you rescue us from the, from the snares, from the, the tricks of the devil. Lord, may we turn our eyes. May we only have eyes for those of you, for those of us who are married, Father God. May we just only have eyes for our wives. May we not put our hope or our affections or our eyes to any other. Father God, for those who are single who, who don't know that dynamic yet, Father Somehow, Father God, may you just show them. May you show us all the true value of holiness. You have said, be holy, for I am holy. Lord God, you have given us the strength and equipped us to do just that. May we walk in holiness. Father God, I pray for our sons and our daughters. Lord God, may we bring up men... Um, who understand this correctly, Father God, may we somehow look at your truth and teach them um, the way, not any other way, but, Lord, the way you would have us teach it to our sons and our daughters. May you be glorified by everything that we do, but, Lord, as we look at this relationship, at this gift that you've given, Lord God, may we glorify you. Lord, Genesis 2, like the new earth, is just something new for me now to just to strive for, Father God. May we strive for Genesis 2, and may we just turn from Genesis 3 and turn from the sin that has come. Lord, may we repent, and may we trust that you can and have redeemed so many of us. Lord, may we just walk in a redeemed life. It is there for all, Lord. You offer it as a gift, and may we just walk in it. Father, may we look at look at that sexual relationship in such a, a good way, in your way. May we serve each other. May we serve our wives. May we turn from being so selfish. And may we just honor you. May we glorify you. May we be obedient and walk in the ways that you would have us to walk. Lord God, again, not only for our wives, but for our children and for those that, uh, that we walk in community with. May we teach each other and may we point to you uh, even in this, Father God. Uh, thank you. What a beautiful gift, uh, a, a good marriage, a great Christ-filled marriage is, Lord God. Thank you for blessing me with that, Lord God. I pray that. For all those who you would have that for, Lord God. Lord God, we love you, Father. Lord Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, just be welcomed here and be so yearned for, not only here, but in our cars on the way home, in our bedrooms, in our houses. Lord God, may we just cling to you. And uh, may we just look to you in in all that we do, even in this, this relationship that can be so awkward sometimes. Father God, we just thank you. I thank you for our pastor who, uh, who has done this, Father God, who, is, uh, who has taught us tonight. Lord, thank you. May we walk in a new way as we leave this place, Lord God. And uh, may we just praise and thank you. Lord Jesus, I ask all this in your name. Amen. You guys have a seat. Uh, thank you for uh, being awesome. And... Uh, for the fact that I was able to not fear you, 
in preparation for this uh, tonight. And so I believe that God probably uh, made us uncomfortable in a good way, all, all of us. And so I would just encourage, all, we just need to be good stewards of that. Even if what was stirred up was negative, be a good steward of the fact that he's the one that stirred us.